Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. So we are trekking through the Gospel of Mark, looking at Mark from a perspective as what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, and the key section we're going to talk about in Mark today is a very unique section, but the, 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 the overall arching principle is where the disciples, after seeing a miracle of Jesus, say, who is this man? Uh, and the question for all of us today is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Sounds like an easy question, perhaps, but think about it deeply. Who do you say Jesus is in your life? And that's kind of the big question for all of us to address today. Who do you say Jesus is in your life? Uh, today we're going to go through Mark chapter 4, verse 35, through chapter 5, verse 43. If you had your Bible, you're going you're to look at that and you're going to think, holy smokes, we're going to be here till noon going through all this great passage. Uh, but what I found as we decided to do this and prepared for it is, it's kind of a unique way of looking at the Scripture. Sometimes we take a Scripture and we'll take a verse. Like we did that with James 1.19 about a year ago or so. We spent a week or two on James 1.19. Now we're taking this huge text here, four different episodes of Jesus performing miracles. Each one could be a standalone sermon all in and of itself. But once in a while, it's a good idea to take a step back and see what... Mark, the writer of the gospel, and to see what God has in mind when we get the big picture and see if there's some sequence or some lessons and takeaways as we look at a larger chunk of Scripture. So we're going to go through it relatively quickly. You're going to find yourself with things you'd like to hear about or things you'd like to discuss that we're going to kind of gloss over, but we want to get the bigger picture of what is going on here with the ultimate question uh, is, who is this man, Jesus? Now, if you know, for some of you that are a little bit older, like me, uh, there's an old movie called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Paul Newman and Robert Redford, okay? And there's a part in that movie where they're being chased. They're outlaws, they're robbers. They're being chased, and they're chased, and these people chasing them are relentless. They won't give up. They continue to follow them. And the classic line from the movie is when they look down off this cliff and they see these guys still coming and they say, who are these guys anyway? Um, I thought of that because that's exactly what we have here is after they see Jesus perform a miracle, they basically says, who is this guy? Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today is who is Jesus and what did the, the uh, disciples learn from that? So, we're gonna, the, uh, the big idea overall is that Jesus is Lord of all things, including us individually. He's Lord of all things. In our text, we're going to see He's Lord over natural disasters. He's Lord over demons and the powers of hell. He's Lord over disease and sickness. And ultimately, and probably most importantly, He's Lord over death. And there's a progressive nature as we go through these uh, four miracles that we see how things progress greater and greater and greater, culminating in Jesus having authority over life and death. Now, before we get into it, to set it up a little bit, 
Jesus has been meeting with his disciples and kind of teaching them some things, uh, spending time with them. But there's a time in teaching that you need to kind of get out of the classroom and into the real world, kind of like an internship perhaps or on-the-job training. Uh, For me in particular, it came home this week because my oldest grandson just got his driver's permit. He's taking classroom driver's education. Well, there's a time in classroom driver's education where you get out of the classroom and you get behind the wheel of a car. Well, he got his permit, and I get to ride in the passenger seat and throw him the keys. And if you've ever, those of you that have done it, you know that your right foot keeps hitting that floorboard all the time to hit the brakes. Um, but how do you learn by just classroom? It's by experience. And we're going to see today these disciples following Jesus, they're going to learn about who Jesus is by following him around, watching him, experiencing what he did, so that we're going to see next week is where Jesus sends these 12 guys out two by two, all by themselves, to do ministry themselves without the master being present. How does he prepare them for that? So follow along here. We're going to trek through these four miracles Miracle number one is in chapter four. It's Jesus is Lord over disasters. And here's the story. It's it's in uh, Mark 4, verse 35. He says, that day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. They're in a boat. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in a boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith, he told them. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, they'd been with Jesus for a while, and they'd seen him do miracles, but even they are so terrified and so amazed and impressed that they say, essentially, whoa, who is this guy anyway? And so we see Jesus, he rebukes. First, he rebukes the wind, then he rebukes the waves, and then he rebukes his disciples for not having faith. What we also see is the power of, of Jesus speaking. With his own words, he calms the sea. He calms the wind and he calms the waves. It's the same voice. That same voice that Jesus uses here is the same voice that created the wind and the waves back in Genesis chapter 1. Just like at creation, with a word, Jesus has power over nature, over the primordial chaos of the storms. So the question of the day we're going to talk about is the one asked here by the the, uh, followers of Jesus. Who is this man? And you know, Jesus doesn't really answer the question and say, let me tell you who I am. Um, What he essentially says is, follow me for a while. Hang with me for a while. Watch what I do. And then you'll learn who I am and what I do. And as we're going to see here, what really Jesus is saying is, you think calming the wind and waves was something? You ain't seen nothing yet. So we're going to read on. 
Miracle number two. Jesus is Lord over the demons. Now this is a great, one of my favorite stories, what I call the man of the tombs. But Jesus and his disciples continue across the Sea of Galilee and they end up in a pagan, a Gentile territory. And there they're, they're encountering with a man who is demon-possessed who lives in the cemetery. So as we read it here, it says, This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So here we have a man that is completely out of control. He's possessed by demons is what we find out why. And Jesus then tells the demons to come out. And Jesus then takes those demons and he casts them into a herd of pigs that happens to be nearby. And these pigs run off the cliff into the water and perish. That's the, that's the rest of the story. But then it says this. He says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man. This is the man who had been in the, running in the cemetery, shrieking and making noises and They saw the man who had been possessed by the demons. He was sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. They saw that, and the Scripture says they were afraid. Rightfully so. Just like the disciples were afraid when the storm stops. So they begged Jesus to leave. Jesus then told this man, the man of the tombs, he told him, you go home to your family and your friends and your neighborhood and your town, and you tell them what God has done for you. You share how God has changed your life. So this narrative of the man of the tombs is remarkable in many ways. You know, this is a miserable, miserable outcast of a man. He was unclean. Back in the time, that meant a lot. He was unclean for a lot of reasons. Number one, he was possessed by demons. Number two, he was a pagan. He was not a Jewish person. He was a Gentile. He was hanging around dead corpses because he was in the tomb that made him unclean and he was near people who raised pigs and pigs were ceremonial unclean Jewish people couldn't touch let alone eat pigs so this man had everything against him a total outsider and Jesus ministers to him he was a wild man chaotic his life was nothing but a mess chaos he lived in Rome in the graveyards he was apparently super strong that he could break the chains and the shackles without much problem. He apparently was naked, went around shrieking and crying out loud, cutting himself, self-mutilating, harming himself. Really is the picture of ultimate picture of chaos. And what does Jesus do in this huge picture of chaos? He gets rid of the chaos and he brings order and calmness and peace, tranquility. So we see both in this passage and the storm on the sea, that Jesus manifests his authority over chaos. First, the chaos of nature, and then the chaos of hell. That's who Jesus is. When a person comes to Christ, they now have meaning and purpose in their life, where before there was no meaning and purpose. Before there was chaos, and he brings order and tranquility and a special kind of peace This man is a perfect example, a perfect picture of what it means when someone meets Jesus. 
He brings self, Jesus brings salvation from chaos. Now the third miracle, which is Jesus is Lord over disease. So we continue on in the story. They're in the, the boat. They leave from one side of the Sea of Galilee. They go back to Jewish territory. They get back in the boat, and they return to the other side. And when they get there, there's a huge crowd waiting for them because Jesus is famous spreading quite, quite uh, r- rapidly. And included in this crowd is a synagogue leader, a Jewish leader, a synagogue leader named Jairus. And Jairus comes up to Jesus, he falls at his feet, and he pleads, he begs with Jesus, would you please come to my house? My daughter is dying. She's very, very ill. She's on the point of death. Would you please come and heal her? And so Jesus starts toward Jairus' house. But while he's traveling toward Jairus' house, he's interrupted by this woman. This is a lady who had been suffering for 12 long years from a bleeding disorder that wouldn't go away. She was hopeless. She was desperate. And we read, as she's in the crowd, it says this. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And when she did, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And then Jesus, realizing that power had gone out of him, told the woman, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. So it can't be overemphasized here that the person that Jesus reached out to in this incident is really also an outcast. She's someone who is ceremonial unclean because she has this issue of blood going on. She's someone that just as, as, just as unclean as a leper. And here she is in this crowd. She had no business even being in this crowd. She should have been off somewhere else on the edge of town. She's right there. And Jesus not only ministers to her, heals her, he interrupts his business of going to Jairus' house to give a full, undevoted attention to this lady that for everybody else in the crowd, she was kind of a throwaway person, an insignificant person. And in a word, Jesus heals her. See, the great thing about Jesus, we say, who is this man? This is the man. This is Jesus who puts the needs of God's people, all people, as a higher priority than ceremonial laws, schedules, business, laws, whatever it is. People really matter to God. All people matter to God. Even this lady, even the man of the tombs, all people matter to God. So now we got miracle number four. This is the big one. Jesus is Lord over death. You see the progression here. So after the woman is healed, some people come to, from Jairus' house and they tell Jesus, oops, you're too late. The girl's died. There's no reason for you to come anymore. She's dead. But Jesus, however, proceeds on to the house and he takes his disciples and he takes the girl's mother and the father and he goes into the room where her corpse is. They're having a funeral going on. The corpse is laying there, and he takes mom and dad and his disciples, and he goes into the room. And then we read this. It says, he took her, the little girl, by the hand and said to her, Talitha kuam, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. And then it says she was 12 years old. Then Jesus, interestingly enough, 
told him, go get this girl some food. The great, the great little side note about Jesus in terms of practical care for people. Go get this girl something to eat. So for the third time in a row, Jesus is consulted by what would seem to be a hopeless cause. This time it's death. The lady, this young girl, this 12-year-old girl was dead. She was lifeless. She was cold, stone, dead. Hopeless. But with Jesus, there are no hopeless causes. There are no hopeless situations. That's the man that the disciples say, who is this man? So as we look at these four miracles, just some general observations. Each of these could stand alone, and perhaps you've heard sermons or lessons on each one of these, and it's loaded. But as we look at all four of them as a group, we see the progression from nature to demons, the powers of hell, to disease, ultimately death, which is kind of the granddaddy of all these issues. And each of these people were outsiders. They weren't the insiders. They weren't the Jewish people. They weren't the synagogues, they were, uh, the, the, the church people of the day. They were people that other people wouldn't give the time of day to. So Jesus does all these things, I think, really to answer the disciples' questions. Who is this man? So what lessons or applications can we get from these four different miracles as to who is this man? I've got four of them here, and the first one is this. Jesus makes it absolutely clear that he is sovereign and that he has power over all things and authority over everything, over nature, over demonic activity, over disease, and ultimately over death. You know, when we get to the part about the death, the power over the wind and waves is, is nothing for Jesus. Each of these is effortless on Jesus because he is God. He has the power and he is sovereign over everything in life. So who is this man? Well, there's nothing outside the rule and realm and control of Jesus Christ. Even the winds and waves obey him. The demons from hell tremble before him. Diseases are dispatched and death is defeated. He's the son of God that's, whose power transcends everything. That's who he is. That's who this man is. Great verse in Romans 8. It says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is Lord over everything. Nothing has power over him. He has power and authority and control over everything. Second takeaway is Jesus has power to bring order out of chaos. And we've seen that. We've talked about that. The chaos of the wind and the waves, the storm that's coming up, the, the chaos of the man living in the tombs. You know, our world today is full of a lot of chaos. We wonder, is it spinning out of control? Is it this ball of confusion that there seems no answer to? Is, where is God? Has he lost control of Countries and nations and weather and world and politics and relationships. But Jesus has, can bring order out of chaos. He can bring order out of chaos in your life. 
If there's something in your life that seems out of control or chaotic, he can bring peace, reconciliation, and order to the chaos, any chaos that you feel. The third point is this. Jesus is the God of seemingly, seemingly hopeless causes. Seemingly hopeless causes. Because with Jesus, there is no hopeless cause. The storm, the disciples thought they were goners. Demon-possessed man, the sick woman, the dead girl. All hopeless causes. You know, this, this narrative, chapter 5 especially in the book of Mark, is known as the St. Jude chapter. Now, most of us know about St. Jude from in the Peoria area here. But for, in Roman Catholicism, St. Jude is the patron saint of lost causes. Now, he may be the saint, patron saint of lost causes, but what we see in our story is Jesus is the Lord of lost causes. He, is, he has authority and power over all lost causes. So, where, where do you today might be facing some what would appear to be a lost cause or a hopeless situation. Maybe it's a chronic health situation that just won't go away. I can relate to that. Something that just can't seem to turn the corner on in terms of your health or, or someone that you know. Or maybe it's your marriage that you just can't seem to get over the hump. You just can't seem to resolve issues. They keep coming up and up. It seems hopeless. And you just decide, I'm just going to live with it. Or maybe it's financial things. We, just when you think you're getting ahead, something happens and you take a step back. Something, an unforeseen expense or a debt pops up and you just can't seem to get ahead. It seems hopeless. Or maybe it's children. You've raised your children they apparently have seemed to have walked away from God, walked away from the faith, and there seems to be no hope. Maybe there's other situations in your life that appears to be hopeless. The, the, the answer is, turn to Jesus, because He is the Lord of hopeless causes. Just ask the disciples. Just ask the man of the tomb. Just ask the lady with the bleeding issue. He's the Lord of hope, what seemingly hopeless situations. The fourth one is this. Jesus cares about the needs of every person. We talked about that. Jesus was willing to go to foreign territories because all people matter to God, even Gentiles, which was radical back then. He went to the foreign countries. He's willing to be interrupted by a lady that is an insignificant, throwaway person in the view of everyone else. He's interrupted by her. He's willing to go into the house of a Jewish synagogue leader. That's huge back then. Because all people matter to God. Even the people on the fringe. Even the people on the outside of the fringe. So Jesus puts the needs of everyone. All people. Ahead of any traditions, rules, ceremonies, or anything else. Jesus cares and loves people. He values people. And people matter to God. So if he values people so much... How much more is he willing and able to come into your life and meet your need in your current circumstances? He values people above everything. So, who is this man, Jesus? He's the one that with power and authority over everything, including our lives. Power over disease, power over death, power over nature. 
He's the Lord that we can put our trust in because He is absolutely in control. His control extends over everything. He's Lord over all. So here's the challenge for us today. When you say, who is this man? Is to press into Jesus, get to know Jesus. The disciples learned a ton about who Jesus was as they watched him minister. Then how are you answering the question, who is Jesus? Is he more than a teacher? Is he more than a good example? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? Is he, are you yielding and surrendering your life? Because being a disciple of Jesus Christ is more than just being saved. It is being a follower, surrendering every area of your life to Jesus. So is there, some, is there any area of your life that you have not fully surrendered to the Lord of everything? So where do you need the Lord to work in your life this morning? What, if you were to give a prayer request, what, where do you want God to come in and restore perhaps chaos? Put order, restore order back to where there's chaos? Or is there a sickness or disease or a hopeless circumstance that you're facing right now that you need Jesus, just like he ministered to all these people here, you need him to come and receive his touch. And then what about death, the ultimate, the granddaddy of all these miracles here? What about death? You know, I have, I, in my practice, I often do what they call advanced directives. It calls a power of attorney for health care, telling what you want, what medical treatment you want and what you don't want. And the ultimate question is, do you want your doctors to pull the plug if you are no longer kept alive? And it's, to watch people wrestle, and on this power of attorney, there's two spots. One, I, I don't want to be kept alive artificially, and there's some other language in there. The other one is, I want to be kept alive at all costs, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what the expense is, no matter what anybody else says, I want to be kept alive at all costs. So you watch people's different view of death, a great fear of death, people hanging on by their fingernails to life, being such afraid of death. So are you afraid of death? For those that have placed their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord, death is not to be feared. It's uncomfortable and it's not something you want to pursue, but it's not to be feared because there is life after the grave. Jesus, as we see here, has the power over death. Did it come, should it have come to any surprise on the third day after he died that he came back to life? He's shown us in this here that he has power over death. He can bring dead people back to life. He brought himself back to life. When he rose out of that tomb, he showed victory over death so that we, having acknowledged Jesus as our Savior and Lord, can also not fear death. He promises that life beyond the grave to anyone who has given their life over to Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Have you done that? And if not, why not? Why haven't you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Savior? And that way you can get rid of the fear of death. You know there's life beyond the grave. We're going to sing a song here in a few minutes, um, and it's, On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And that's what we learned today is, who is this man? He is the Lord of everything. He's the solid rock that we can put our faith and our trust in, and it's not sinking sand. It is a solid rock, a solid foundation. And why wouldn't you do that if you haven't done that? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus as a solid rock, 
you will not be disappointed. Just ask the man of the tombs. Just ask the disciples. Just ask the lady. Just ask Jairus and his daughter. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge you as Lord of all. I pray, God, today that each person would search their heart as to where they need your touch today. Is it a physical thing? Is it a health issue? Is it a financial thing? Is it a, is it a marriage or family circumstances? Where do people need your touch today? We know you are the God of seemingly hopeless circumstances. Uh, we pray, God, today, if there's someone here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they would not put that off any longer, but that they would give that attention and put their faith and trust in the Lord, who is the Lord of everything, with the power over everything, including the power over ultimate death. Thank you for our time today. Thank you for your scripture and what assurances it gives us as believers and the challenges that it gives to unbelievers to put their faith in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.